0: The following program is being brought to you on the Green Talk Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit thegreentalknetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues, Ocean River Shields of Achilles, with your host, Dr. Rob Moyer. Find out what others are doing and what you can do to create a greener and blue planet Earth. Now, here's Dr. Rob Moyer.
1: Welcome. Today we're talking environmental justice. And my guests will be able to describe it better than I can. But basically we're talking green justice in particular for diverse urban neighborhoods. And today's guests are from Alternatives for Community and Environment, ACE. Uh, And you can read along some of their mission statement at their website, which is www.ace-ej.org. And also you can reach the different guests through the website as well. So ACE is headquartered in Dudley Square in Roxbury in part of Boston and they're actively building the communities of color and low-income communities in New England to eradicate environmental racism and classism and achieve environmental justice. Everyone has a right to a healthy environment and to be decision-makers in issues affecting our communities. ACE is anchoring a movement of people who have been excluded from decision-making to confront power directly and for them to demand fundamental changes in the rules of the game so that together we can achieve our right to a healthy environment. In this episode, we're going to learn about the Green Justice Community Organizing and the Roxbury Environmental Empowerment Project, where a school-based environmental justice curriculum, an after-school youth leadership program, and youth-led organizing come together for youth leadership in the neighborhoods. Michelle Magruder is the Green Justice Community Organizer for Alternatives for Community and Environment, ACE. Hello. Hello, Michelle. you there? Hello. How are you? Hi. Also today with ACE, we'll hear about the T-Riders Union, organizing public transit riders to build a unified voice and movement for better transportation, serving trans- transit-dependent communities where the riders are not likely to own cars of their own. Lee Matsueta is with me to talk about that. Hello, Lee.
2: Hey, how are you, Rob?
1: Did I butcher your name?
2: Uh, Matsueta, yep, Lee Matsueta.
1: Thank you. Uh, let's start with you, Lee, and uh, but let me tell uh, the audience a bit about who you are. Sure. You're the program director of the t Writer Union uh, for, for ACE, and you joined the staff back in October 2005 after serving as an ACE board member for a year. Mm -hmm. You're a graduate of Brandeis University, and you've got an MS degree in environmental studies advocacy and organizing program from Antioch, New England Graduate School. Previous to ACE, you were a community organizer, a little community organizer for almost three years with the Greater Four Corners Action Coalition uh, in Dorchester, Mass.
2: That's right.
1: While there, your efforts included campaign work to gain access to rapid transit from the Fairmount-Line Commuter Rail Corridor and the Boston Schoolyard Initiative Projects at the Sarah Greenwood K-8 Middle School and the former William E. Endicott Elementary School. So it's great to have you on the show. And um, I also have degrees from Antioch, so it's good to see colleagues in the field.
2: There you go. Yeah, Um, thank you. Um,
1: So so tell us about... um, T-Riders'
2: Union. Sure, sure. So, so T-Riders' Union is just one of, of the programs here at ACE. Uh, we're, we're a membership organization, uh, and, and some of our members are very, very passionate about uh, transportation justice as being just one of the pieces of environmental justice. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, the way we came to the issue was really through uh, air quality and asthma. Uh, a lot of people in our neighborhoods uh, are, are experiencing really high rates uh, of asthma, some of the highest in the state. Um, and so we, we talked about uh, how do we change that, how do we do, deal with that issue. Uh, members uh, work with us to really fight to, um, to get access to cleaner air, and in the process we realized that uh, it wasn't just about cleaner air, but, but our environment was really about making sure we had uh, a transportation system that, that served us and that there is a direct relationship to our environment, to uh, our air quality. Uh, we need to get people, uh, particularly in places where we have access to transit, uh out of their cars uh using a system that that really serves us so uh today we're we're really waging uh, battles against the, the T fare increase fighting for uh, more financing to the MBTA and and really to elevate public transportation uh, not just here in in the Boston area but across the state
1: So what specific actions are people taking?
2: Sure. So, uh, you know, recently we had, uh, in the last legislative session, really pushed the idea of, you know, why are we dealing with these cycle of MBTA fare increases uh, and and why is it so critical to to address those issues? And and the the idea was basically that we face this issue because the state legislature in 2000 uh, dropped a, a significant portion of debt from the big dig uh, which is a, a road and bridge project, um, onto the backs of the MBTA and its ridership. And so the result was that uh, we're paying off debt. Every fare that we pay uh, actually really goes off towards paying off a debt service. And, and it doesn't go to improve the system. It doesn't go to uh, you know pay people's salaries. It, it, it's just going to pay off debt. And that's a significant issue that, um, through legislation, we're trying to fix um, the other legislation effort is really to look at the leadership how do we get accountability um, at the decision-making level for riders and how do we really get riders to be represented in that process and um, you know we we continue to push on that because we didn't get the results we wanted in the last session um, we're still faced with a fair increase, and so right now, many of our members are talking about uh, doing something like a people's hearing to really get folks uh, to, to chime in about their thoughts about public transit and the MBTA. Uh, give them a venue and a forum, and 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 see uh, how we can organize with members, grow grow our membership, and and really continue to fight this this uh, issue for transportation justice.
1: It's so important. Now I hear that uh, urban youth have been stand stepping up and leading and drawing drawing attention to this
2: these issues? Yeah, it's really exciting uh, some of the youth uh, that we we get the chance to to work with every once in a while here at ace uh, have identified um, that youth uh, as having very many challenges to accessing cha- transit uh, here in our city, and one of them is is the this current student pass which we have which just doesn't serve them uh, and so they've been fighting to really improve. Uh, that pass and actually create a new pass that would be accessible to all youth ages 12 to 21, and, and they started to make some progress. They, they already got the student pass extended to 11 p.m. so that youth who are dealing with um, you know, after-school programs or sports or other you know jobs really have a way to get there and get home um, before it used to be only until 8 p.m. So that was just one recent victory, and I think they're going to continue to organize and push on that.
1: It's, it's so important. It, I've had to go into parts of, um, of, of, of those parts of Boston and if you're going in the middle of the day, you'd think the buses would just get you where you're going, but you get out in those places and you're just standing for hours and hours waiting for it. You know, it's just not an equitable system of what's the transporting people downtown the way they're doing it out
2: of town. That's right. I, unfortunately, a lot of folks in our neighborhoods in, in neighborhoods like Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan have have really limited access to uh rapid transit. It's a lot of bus riders out here and and we know that the bus system is is uh yeah, and the subway system but but we deal with a lot of people who rely on the bus and and they have so many issues just getting uh, from point A to point B to point C. Uh it takes up so many hours uh, of their day and uh people are tired of it. They're saying we need a better system. We we demand it. And we're uh, organizing to do so.
1: It's absolutely stunning. You know, you'd think that they would have certain corridors where you could travel along, but no, you, it isn't the question that you're going perpendicular to the main flow of the traffic. You just have to stand out there, and, and there's no sign that you're ever going to be picked up. It must be, I mean, I found it exasperating just on, on spot visits.
2: That's right. No, I mean, particularly for people who this is their only way of getting around, you know, you, you talk about uh... you know students and seniors and and folks who are dis- disabled and uh... public transit is a lifeline for them um... you know it, it doesn't just uh... get people to jobs but it gets people to you know health care it gets people to the store it gets people to school um, and so it's a critical environmental justice justice issue for our members and our organization and uh... and yeah it, it is extremely frustrating uh... But you know, I think we're we're seeing some signs of progress because um, we continue to push and and, and advocate for some changes.
1: Now there was the day that youth in W Square just started writing tickets to the, the idling buses.
2: that's right. Yeah, one of the one of the stories we tell a lot you know when we do uh you know orientations and things to our organization is we talk a lot about how do we get started with this stuff and and uh one of our programs, the Roxbury Environmental Empowerment Project, is is has a school based element where they go into schools and, and, and talk about environmental justice with young people. Um and uh one of the schools, uh, Nathan Hale School, uh in Eagleston Square High School, they they kind of teamed up and said, you know, this issue uh, of air quality and asthma is ridiculous. They all knew somebody, or they all had asthma, and um, they said, "How do we uh, bring attention to this?" And so, uh, they they created and, and organized a march uh, with ACE um, to, to go down Washington Street from Eggleston all the way to Dudley, and and along the way educate people uh, about uh, idling their car and how how imp- a critical an issue that is when it comes to contributing to air uh, toxics. Uh, you know, putting these diesel particulates or air particulates in the, in the air and, and really contributing to the asthma. And, and as they did that, they went down the street, uh, they, they made a lot of noise, and, and they handed out these tickets uh, saying, you know, listen, you, you can't leave your car idling. This is about our, our uh, air. It's about our health. And um, trying to really educate people, and they got some good attention on it. And that really just launched us into, uh, you know, not just the work we're doing with the t Rise unit today, but um, a lot of our, our organizing efforts.
1: Whenever I tell people that story, they always people many people say, "Gosh, I wish i had written tickets and I'm ready to write a ticket and stuff. <laughs> it was really brilliant the way you pulled that the way that came together."
2: Yeah, no, it was it was so just, I, I mean, it was before I got here, to It was uh, up like that. Supposed to be an amazing event.
1: Uh, and now there's talk about a bake sale on Beacon Hill to to do what?
2: That's right. Yeah, we you know we, we try to do a lot of uh, creative actions and activities that are, are fun for our members to plan and then uh, really draw some media attention. And, and back in, I believe, March, we, we set up an event because we said, you know, listen, the, the tea uh, is suffering here and, and, and riders continue to do, do our part by paying our fares and yet uh, we continue to get hit with fare increases. So we wanted to draw attention to the bigger picture problem, this big, big debt I talked about before. So we organized a bake sale. Uh, Michelle was a part of that, a big part of that, um, to really, you know, make sure that uh, our legislators were listening. And uh, we, we basically had members bake goods, uh, sell them in front of the state house, and, and raise a little bit of money to, to, to say, listen, you know, we're doing our part. It's time for the state legislature to do theirs. And- Michelle, I
3: hope oh, we got Hold break. on, please. Hold on, please.
0: Listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green. All together. Dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science.
4: The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk.
0: So many key world issues today relate to energy and environment. We are living in a time where world events set us up for a major transformation of our society. Enter Dr. Bernie Bulkin. Dr. Balkin is Commissioner for Energy and Transport for the Sustainable Development Commission in the UK. Whether it's the financial crisis, China's transformation, the emergence of India, or Obama's ascension, put yourself on the pulse of today's changes. Listen for Environment on the Edge with Dr. Bernie Balkin, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network.
4: Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures, today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green.
0: You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer.
1: Hi, we're back and we're talking environmental justice and with me today is Michelle Magruder who Hello. is the Green Justice Community Organizer for Alternatives for Community and Environment. Hello Michelle.
3: Hello,
1: how are you? I'm going to say a little bit about you and then i got some questions for you. Sure. Especially about that bake sale, I hope you delegated the work on that. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle joined uh, A staff recently in April 2009 and Michelle is working to introduce green ideas to Dudley area businesses and residents of Roxbury. Uh, she's taken approaches in Dudley Square um, for community organizing. For example, she's taken, well, I'll let you tell us about that. Let's see. Michelle is on the organizing committee of the Green Conference, mm-hmm. which will enable residents to get to the green to the green necessary for finding a job, after English high school, Michelle attended vocational schools for medical coding and culinary arts. But grassroots organizing was always in her heart, and as she trained, she was trained by the best community leaders in the Boston area, including Mavis Neal, talent show coordinator, Cindy Diggs, UMMF Peace Boston, mm-hmm. Brother Kinney, who, who's been involved with the Million Man March and Mukia Baker Gomez right And what's his position her her she, Excuse she's me. she's with the um
3: she works for Deval Patrick now and she's on the civil um rights division division great so th- those were my original trainers in grassroots promotions
1: and so now you've graduated <laughs> to ace in the hoods what's yeah. that about
3: <laughs> exactly dsop dsop well um ace in the hood with oh um is going to be on Saturday, September 26th from 11 to 4 p.m. Here at 2181 Washington Street is where we're located, and uh, down in uh, Roxbury. And what it is, we are door knocking in teams and tabling uh, in four spots in the neighborhood and shifts. And this is a big outreach day for people to get to know who, who, what ACE is all about, to get to know our different programs, and um, hopefully become members and uh, to help er- eradicate whatever injustices are in
1: our neighborhood in this community, and the website there is www.ace-ej.org. Uh, right. and the Ace in the Hood event sounds really cool. I got my invitation. and You explained how that you know people are going to be setting up and going door to door and out in tables and stuff. So, exactly. I couldn't help but send it to forward it to your state senator who's brand new on the job, <laughs> and because and, she's been doing that to get elected and stuff. So, uh, hopefully, it's just so great that you know the, the actual citizens and the and youth themselves mm-hmm. are out there all over the streets.
3: Exactly, exactly. And that's what ACE is all about. ACE is a member led organization, you know, and we try to get people, yes, um, we help guide, we don't. You know, um, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. It's a team effort where we sit down as a team and like, what do you want to see different in your neighborhood? What problems? What injustices do you have? What do you see? Okay, so what do you want to? What do you want to do about it? Right. Okay. I-, I know what to do. I-, I could easily do it, but
1: but they have to own it. So this way, yeah. it's theirs. Exactly. They come up with it. A... Exactly. Exactly. And that's what. And they come up with great stuff. I mean, Lee's example of the, uh, you know, ticketing diesel buses and
3: stuff. Yes, that, that that the Nathan Hale kids, I remember that. I was around. I've been around since 1996. Oh, on good. Off, but I, I, was, but I w- wasn't but was officially a member, but I used to come in and put my input in. Yes. And that just shows you how everybody here is from, like, the neighborhood. You're, oh, yeah. And you can put your thoughts in, and it can be used, and it can be pushed forward, and it can be... A small idea can turn something big like the bake sale, um, which we did I believe on March ninth at at the state house and we raised two hundred dollars. That is so, fabulous. In two hours time.
1: And you didn't do all the
3: baking, right? You delegated that out and so, stuff? Or? We all delegated that <laughs> together. There you go. We delegated together. We even bought something. <laughs> Shh! <laughs> don't tell the rest.
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, you know, the point is to get people to to stand up and and get recognized for improving things. And, right. And, uh, it
3: was just to recognize. It was just um, a crazy idea. The T needs money. No, it's to show you that the fares are going to go up. It's going to show you that we're going to have less service, and we need to cause attention, some type of big attention. What would people look at to say, oh, this is what it's about, fare increases, and I may be waiting for a bus for another hour? That's yeah. what it is. That's... You're still there? Yes. Yes, I am. So yeah. that's all that was, a, was a, in a attention getter. That's all. In April thirteenth, two 2009, we uh, definitely gave the money to the MBTA at a board meeting.
1: Great, great. Let's move on and talk a little okay. bit about um, some of the green conferencing you're setting up and um, how you've been uh, working with communities, um, like what you were saying earlier when you first started, that, um, where the people were coming from for these initiatives that you're doing.
3: Um, well, okay, well, first of all, when I got hired, I got hired to take care of DSOP, Dudley Square Organizing Program. And, uh, what that is, is that we have, uh, different people on different levels who want to know about the green job skills, the green, um, training, and what's mm. out there. Okay? And that started officially June 9th, and every two weeks we were, we, this Green Justice Committee meets. And the first thing that uh, we first talked about is what do you all want to do? What do you want to learn about? And the first class was all about green. What is this green? What are you talking about green? And so we did classes. The the next meeting was about um, green, business, and sustainable green. What's the difference? So, and then carbon footprint. Um, What is greenhouse gases? And then from there, and you know, how can we bring this to our to our businesses? How can we help our employees learn more about this? That's what that was all about. And then, so Michelle, now, this
1: isn't just academic learning about carbon in the atmosphere. This really is translating down to jobs for you guys, isn't it? Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's really exciting. That you know, that by paying attention to this. environmental stuff you might actually get a job out of it or or how does that work?
3: Okay or or tell me about barn raising right now we right now we talked about barn raising and barn raising is basically learning about leaky houses and how can you fix them quickly. Yeah. And barn raising was something in the eighteen hundreds, if you used to go to a farm or whatever then you would um as soon as the farmer whatever came there then the the whole community used to come together and just build a barn for them to say thank you for the arrival. Now, barn raising is going to somebody's house, an elderly person's home, and they can't afford to do certain things, and they work on what their budget might be, and then um, show them what it might be, and then get some people, get 10 consultants, and have like maybe 50 volunteers work in the house for that day
1: for free. Wow. Yes. A major hunk of community comes marching into a home and helps uh, helps them out.
3: Yeah. yeah, exactly. And a lot of people are still getting the concept of that, right? And it's not deep, red, or fitting. It's just little, like, the doors. Doors, windows, um, the attic, a little bit of ceiling. Yeah, got it. You know,
1: sealing up the holes in the home. Something easy. It's not that big. Right. There are lots of things people can do. Exactly. Um, and this is... Uh, are you, you're building toward a green conference, I hear.
3: Yes, yes. This conference is coming up October second. Down, it's, it's going to be in Marlboro, and it's the first Massachusetts green conference of its kind ever. And it's going to talk about the greens. Um, these are people who are doing it right now. These are people who's like, oh, we think we could. This what could look like in the future. No, we need your help with. If you have skills like this, well, you can go to. Room 101, and we can help you with that. Oh, if you have a quarry, That's
1: great.
3: you know, this here's quarry-friendly in Room 103. So this conference is going to be on Marble. It's, um, you can go to heat.com if anybody's interested, H-E-E-T.com, and uh, look it up online because they have the conference still on their website.
1: And if people want to contact you, uh, how can they do that? Um, um, just call me,
3: 617 442
1: 3343, extension 237. And, and that'll put, put us into the ACE um, offices. And, right, straight, to, that's my direct and then, and line,
3: 617 442 3343. And also, you can just, ACE, also. With the ACE website, they can just they, they should be able to click on my name. They, my my information should be right there, and the ACE at the bottom.
1: Right, right. No, I see it. Time. You're right there on the on the web pages. If you right. go to the ACE um, homepage,
3: exactly. Like yeah, so DSOP, we're trying to bring um, barn raising here in Roxbury, and we're trying to get people the training, the skills that they need, and um, be able to ship ship out more people.
1: You know. Okay. Well. Thank you, uh, Uh, Michelle. We're going to have to wrap up for the break, and then we'll be back with Michelle Magruder.
0: you listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network. dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science.
4: Have questions about wind power? Listen for the TLG Wind Power Hour with Terry from TLG Wind Power Products. He'll cover the ins and outs of wind energy with you, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or want a ready-made product. Let Terry give you the know-how and understanding of making wind energy work for you. Terry will share decades of hands-on experience so that you don't have to learn about wind power the hard way. The TLG Wind Power Hour, live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. Have questions about wind power? Listen for the TLG Wind Power Hour with Terry from TLG Wind Power Products. He'll cover the ins and outs of wind energy with you, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or want a ready-made product. Let Terry give you the know-how and understanding of making wind energy work for you. Terry will share decades of hands-on experience so that you don't have to learn about wind power the hard way. The TLG Wind Power Hour, live every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk Network. for listening to the Green Talk Network. Help
5: to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. And now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network.
0: You're listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer.
1: Hi, we're talking environmental justice today or Green Justice, and we're talking to people who are working for and with Alternatives for Community and Environment, ACE. It's located in Dudley Square in Roxbury, next part of Boston, Massachusetts. And with me on the line is Dave Jenkins, who is the youth organizer for the Roxbury Environmental Empowerment Project. Dave, you there? Yeah, I'm
6: here. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on.
1: Um, tell us about, well, first of all, it, it sounds like you're calling from far away. Are you, hopefully you're not underneath a manhole cover or something. Are you out in the field or where are you? I, I am in the field uh, with, I was just with one of the
6: one of the youth organizers um, who's 19, her name's Shamika, and we were just taking care of something and now I'm heading back to the office.
1: Oh, cool. Well, tell us about the Roxbury Environmental Empowerment Program and more about your meeting with Sharika.
6: So, Reap is a youth-led environmental justice uh, community organizing program in which we have six teenagers that run the program. Um, they're responsible for building membership with other teens in Boston, um, other teens getting them excited about environmental justice and making social change. And they uh, and they also organize and do the strategy for our organizing campaign. We currently have um, Two or I guess two and a half active our most Our most active one is called Youth Way on the MBTA. That's the MBTA is the Mass Bay Transit Authority, um, the public transportation system in Boston.
1: Yes, yes. We were talking with Lee about that.
6: The is, it is is um, it's led by young people both at REAP and also at, a, at another organization, the Boston Youth Organizing Project. And that's a campaign to increase. The, uh, to better the quality of service, um, the safety, and uh, the young people's affordable access to public transit in the city of Boston. It's really about youth transit justice. Um, we see it as uh, a really critical issue that affects young people in their everyday lives in a major way in the city of Boston, especially low-income young people and, and youth of color in the city of Boston. And we also see public transit as part of a greener future and want to promote a culture of public transit by um, opening more access for young people to, to the MBTA and to public transit in general, basically making it more affordable so that they can use it.
1: Yeah, I was talking with Lee about how I've taken the bus out to, um, to Roxbury or a similar Boston community and at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I found myself just standing forever for the bus to come. It wasn't that I wanted to go perpendicular to the lines of transit, that it was just impossible to go anywhere. And this is a major bummer if you're trying to go to an after-school program when your school gets out about that time. You know, what, what can be done? Or what are, are the team leaders doing to draw attention to this? Well,
6: we have, we have a few specific demands in the campaign. Um, the two main areas. Actually, you're hitting on a major thing for us, which is that um, you know the T does not invest the same amount of resources in the different in the different park pieces of public transit in, in Massachusetts. So there's a, a stark disparity between, for example, a new investment in the commuter rail. Which is written by um, a wealthier, generally a wealthier and whiter group of people, versus new investment in the bus system, which is written, which is primarily used in communities of color and low-income communities. And what we see is, um, you know, a real underserving of communities of color in the bus routes, and mainly, you know, and that also links to where the where the key, where the actual subway train lines go, and where they don't go. So. We find that the, the, the poorest folks and folks of color are dependent and the most dependent on public transit. Their only access to public transit is the bus system, and the bus system is getting under compared to the other pieces. So, young people face an, an additional – several additional layers of, of hardship on the T as well. Because bus drivers perceive young people as being problematic on the T or causing trouble on the T. It's really consistent a really consistent experience for young people to find that they're waiting at a bus stop and be passed by sometimes repeatedly by bus drivers that are required to stop
1: noise?
3: Do, do, do you want him to go into the victories that we had? What's that? Yeah. Yes, go ahead, Dave. Okay, so recently,
6: so like I said, this campaign to improve young people's uh, the quality of service access and safety on the team for young people in the city of Boston has been going on for about two years, and in January, representatives of the campaign who were... Uh, between 17 and 19 years old, met with the, the State Secretary of Transportation and shared a lot of their experiences and hardships on the team. And they got um, Secretary Aloisi to sign a contract, um, and the contract stipulated that um, he would increase the timing of the student path from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m.,
1: well, that's a help. And so,
7: hello, am I, am I still yeah. there? Yeah. So, um, there. what these young people did was they basically uh, won a three-hour extension for thirteen thousand student riders on the on the T, which is a major, major victory, especially because young people in the city of Boston had been naming access and not being able to use the T despite having the student passes maybe the first or second most uh, most important uh, problem in their lives in the city. Yes. So we do have other things that we're really working for. The big thing we're working for is we want a youth pass. So we actually want to eliminate the student pass uh, because the student pass obviously only reaches students. And Boston Public Schools, by some measures, has a 50% dropout rate. So that means that young people um, between... You know, between – once school is no longer compulsory when they're 16, young people between 16 and 21, say, um, generally do not have access to that pass. And yet those are the young people that have um, the greatest need for Absolutely. the pass as they're trying to start their adult life, they're trying to start careers, they're the most unemployed and underemployed group of, age group of people besides seniors. Um, they and the jobs that they do have access to are often very few hours or very or minimum wage, and so um, it's really critical for us that we get a youth pass that looks at young people between the t- ages of 12 and 21 as a group of people that um, deserve increased or reduced fare access to the T, much like the seniors much like seniors do. And actually, if we were able to achieve the path that we're trying to achieve, we would really be a trendsetter in the country and um, maybe even be down the road two or three years starting a conversation about um, the federal transit le- transportation uh, legislation and, and asking the question, why is there a federal requirement for public transit systems to have a reduced fare or 50% fare for seniors? And there's no language um, requiring uh, public transit authorities to have a reduced fare or increased access for young people who are also a really critical, um, really transit-dependent population in cities.
1: I think America is the only industrial nation that charges its youth uh, fares for public transportation.
7: Yeah, I believe that. And, you know, our young people here have had the foresight to say, you know what? This is an injustice that we um, we need in our lives in order to be successful, that there's a promise that's being made to us by society that we will have the things that we need in order for us to work hard and to achieve um, a career or, you know, to be able to build a family and provide for it or whatever, whatever each individual young person has for their goals in their life. And what they're saying is that, you know what, this public resource is not really public for us. We don't have access to it. And not only that but they're really tying it into you know the future of this country and the future of the world in terms of climate change and saying that you know what um you know there's uh the climate is changing and there is a very disproportionate responsibility uh and behind that climate change you know there's um, a small percentage of the world's population that's making, uh, that has by far the majority of the carbon footprint or, or has the largest carbon footprint. And even when you look at the uh, urban households versus suburban households, you look at a very different carbon footprint. And that they have, so there's these young people, my young people at, at REAP, at the Roxbury Environmental Empowerment Project are saying, hey, there's a disproportionate uh, causation in climate change, and there's also going to be really disproportionate impacts. So when we look at cities and where the poorest folks or the most folks of color live... We're going to be looking at um, things, some of the, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the line, we're going to be looking at some of the consequences of global warming affecting the people who are already the worst off economically with the least opportunities, and 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 those and climate change is going to affect them the worst, for example, with flooding,
1: you know. One of the things... Hey Dave, I got I, it. I got it. Running second, out of time. One of the things... Dave, you there? I, I got it. And um, it's really important what you're doing because... Many of the workers have to commute far distances to go to work. So, this is a very much an environmental justice issue, what you're doing for the climate. Thank you. Thank you.
7: Thanks for having me on.
4: Thank you for listening to the Green Talk Network. Help to spread the green by involving your family and friends. You're doing your part. Now help them think green. Spread the green. The Green Talk Network.
0: dedicated to helping people and groups make a difference where they live and work through environmental stewardship and science.
3: Can we
0: recognize our world not as a commodity, but as a sacred creation that will support us best the more creatively we live on it? Green Visions is all about how a spirit of innovation and pleasure can be brought into solving our environmental problems. Join your host, Carolyn North, each week as she talks about what citizens of the world are doing to make a difference. Heal the planet, heal yourself, and have a good time doing it. Tune in to Green Visions with Carolyn North every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Green Talk Network. The Green Talk Network is here. Spread the green. Listening to Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. To participate in today's discussion, you're welcome to call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send an email to rob at oceanriver.org. Now, back to Dr. Rob Moyer.
1: Hi, we're back, and uh, it's time now to talk with Dave Wilmot. Of Ocean Champions. Hi, Dave. Are you there? Good morning, Rob. I'm here. Ah, that was a we had a rough uh, connection just a moment ago uh, from uh, Dave Jenkins at ACE, who was, I guess, commuting with his cell phone and and yet he's actually repairing what's being done. He's having the youth address, you know, public transportation issues for Boston, uh, and they're they're doing the environmental justice work, and it happens to overlap with the climate change work. Mm-hmm. so you 're working on a number of climate change related issues that come back to oceans, um, although I guess harmful algae bloom algal blooms haven 't really been they 've always been a problem whether or not there 's climate change i guess and um, so we've you 've been telling us about legislation on this uh harmful algal bloom how 's that going?
5: The work on Capitol Hill is going extremely well. As a matter of fact, we just got off the phone with with our sources on the Hill, and we have some, some news for folks. I believe last week I mentioned that on the House side, the hearing for harmful algal blooms will be occurring tomorrow. So this is the Energy and Environment Subcommittee of the Science Committee in the House that has jurisdiction on this issue. They're going to have the hearing tomorrow, and our sources are telling us that the committee will have the bill introduced by next week and that'll be followed by uh, a markup. And people may recall that a few weeks ago we talked about this markup idea in the Senate and that's basically where a committee just discusses a bill, makes any changes they need, and then they vote on it. So the harmful algal bloom bill has passed in the Senate committee and now it looks like within the next week or so, fingers crossed, we're going to see uh, Chairman Baird lead it through his subcommittee and we'll have the markup there. And then that just leaves floor action, where the House and the Senate will need to take it up on the floor, and that's what we'll be working to see happen over the next month. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this very important problem is getting a lot of attention, thanks to some uh, very strong leadership on Capitol Hill.
1: That's very encouraging. We, we, uh, us away from Capitol Hill forget what glacial speeds these things have to move at, but they do move, and when they're there, they're really there. So that's, that's very encouraging. It looks like things are just moving, moving. Um,
5: they, are, they are indeed. This is, there's been a lot of setup to, to get it to this point, that things are moving about as quickly as you can hope for them to move on, on Capitol Hill. And I think a lot of people realize this issue is tied to a number of other problems that we have. You, you mentioned climate change, and we do indeed worry that harmful algal blooms will intensify. We're already seeing some indications of that. Uh, because of changes that are occurring with climate in the ocean. So getting on top of it as
1: early as possible is the best thing we can do, and, and that's what we see. And so the bill will have funds for research and remediation, so that will help us know more about what's happening? Again, this, this, the
5: idea here is to develop and promote a national strategy, everything from understanding what's happening, that's the basic research, to predicting the blooms, which would help coastal areas um, to control and mitigate the blooms as well so it's everything from the research end through prediction to mitigating ultimately we have to solve we have to prevent these outbreaks or if they do occur we have to respond to them so it's uh, it's a nice it's a nice plan
1: I like eating fried clams, so I'm hoping this bill will go through so that uh, there will be fewer uh, blooms affecting my uh, clam diet.
5: Well, as anyone who lives in coastal areas <laughs> knows, one of the first things that is impacted, indeed, are shellfish. So they often have to shut down mussels and oysters and clams, and you can't buy them. So that's exactly right. That's, that's the idea here. <laughs>
1: um, so you've been telling us, and Mike has been telling us, about the President Obama's Ocean Task Force. Um, how goes that initiative?
5: that continues to move forward as well the task force presented draft recommendations to the president last thursday we understand from our sources that we will see those draft recommendations made public any anytime now could be as early as tomorrow and then there will be a public comment period now while the task force has already made some draft recommendations they're also continuing to hold public meetings so that people can share their views on this and there's a, a, the second of these listening sessions tomorrow in San Francisco. Uh, the following week on the 24th, Providence, Rhode Island. And then while the dates aren't set over the next month, there will also be sessions in Honolulu, Cleveland, and New Orleans. And we're really encouraging people to get out to those. We expect a very good turnout tomorrow. I'll be in San Francisco for that hearing, um, and it'll be – people can go to our website – www.oceanchampions.org to find out uh, where this will be in San Francisco if they want to attend or the others, um, Providence, Honolulu, Cleveland, and New Orleans. But it is important that we make a strong showing. Uh, and as I mentioned last week, we saw what happens when people turned out to town halls. It really did change the conversation. Um, it would be awfully nice if we could show this task force and the President that oceans matter to the people in America as well.
1: Mm. So our uh, uh... Are some of the initial recommendations starting to come out? We haven't heard many.
5: We don't expect a lot of details in this initial draft. I mean, the bottom line is they're recommending to the president what should be in his national ocean policy. Uh, And we we don't expect a lot of details to start. We're going to have to keep pushing. We need more um, and we need him to hear stronger voices from around the country. that It needs to be very strong.
1: So can we go to this website or something to learn about what's What was said in Anchorage or what's emerging from these different forms?
5: Indeed, CEQ, the Council on Environmental Quality, which is part of the White House, um, has a website that is putting all of this information up. I'm sure that's on our website as well. If not, I'll go make sure it's up there as soon as we hang up. So if they just come to our website at Ocean Champions, they can then link directly to the CEQ website and get any information on what's been said previously, what's coming, those types of
1: things. Yeah, comments, that's for example, that's really the citizen role is to hear what other citizens are saying and, and see what's going into the recommendation process, so that when the recommendations come out, um, there's someone's, you know, the readers are verifying that yeah, those guys went in and they got addressed when they came out.
5: And you know, they really do respond to public comments. They really do. Yeah, I know a lot of people may be uncomfortable with how the town halls played out, but the reality is, is that town hall forum did force a lot of politicians to listen and adjust. And we can do the same thing with the oceans if our voice is out there. But if it's not, they won't hear it.
1: Yeah, I've seen it on local um, EPA hearings where, you know, the people come with these concerns and uh, they don't get answers, but they do write down the questions and they thank them for getting the questions from the citizens to figure out. Dave, we're out of time. Thank you again for Ocean Champions for your update. Thank you, Rob. Till next week, thanks for listening.
0: Thanks again, for joining us this week on Moyer's Environmental Dialogues. Please tune in for more with Dr. Rob Moyer next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Green Talk Network. We'll talk again then.